I'm Lauren Sterling, and this is Ordinary Grit, the podcast where I talk to ordinary people who have overcome and are doing amazing things, because your story has power. Today, oh, this is so good. You're going to hear from my friend Josie, and wow, you're going to get kicked in the hiney by a 20-something. I hope you're ready for the hope in that generation. Man, they are going to be okay, but also that you hear some deep, great truths to stand on that really challenged me too. called Ordinary Grit because I just know a lot of regular people with really gritty stories who have hung on or survived or changed, chosen not to stay the same, but but have changed in it and adapted and allowed God to continue to be in control when the story didn't go their way. So that's kind of where you come in. Okay. Oh, yay. So, I'm so excited. Yes. So Josie, I really do appreciate your your time. You're here for like five whole minutes today. <laughs> so I get to have a little bit of a window of that. And I'm super grateful. But I also am just excited for people to kind of hear your heart. You're a younger, a younger heart that's gonna get to talk. And and you know, this morning I was driving my my little guy to school and talking about what my, you know, he was asking me what I was doing today and I was telling him oh, what I was doing. No. And and he's like, he's like, Josie, <laughs> Josie, <No>. what's <laughs> he didn't say that. Normally he would. I can't stand her. He's just ornery. But he said, he said, Well, what's her story besides her dad died? And I thought that was really powerful. Because I think there is a part of all of us that's like, I mean, really, what's their story besides their divorce? Or what's their story? And your story is much more than that. Okay. And and it's going to be much more than that. It already is much more than that. And so that made me excited even more so to talk to you. Not that he meant anything by it. It was innocent, but I think it's an innocence that even an adult would have. Yeah. Like, oh, well, Josie only has a story because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, no. You don't just have a story because of whose daughter you are. You don't just have a story because of whose sister you are. God is writing something really, really cool in you. And you have chosen to walk some things out with grit instead of quitting, instead of staying the same, instead of acting like, well, this is what other college kids do. This is what other high school kids do. So I'm, no, you have chosen to let God write some things even if you weren't real thrilled with the way he was writing it, chosen to follow that and let him continue to be the author. And so I'm just really excited. So I don't know exactly how you want to to start. I can kind of intro a little. Yeah, sure. Okay. You, you be my boss. I will be I'm your boss. You Yay. Be my boss. <laughs> briefly, briefly. So I remember when you were born, I was in college, and so Joey would have been, your your dad was my pastor at the time, but he had been my youth pastor mm-hmm. for a lot of years. For Well, from seventh grade, I moved to that church in the middle of seventh grade all the way through my senior year, and he used to ask us about the top five people who had shaped our faith, and he is in my top five. He may be one of my five. So, I mean, huge, huge part of my world. And really, really big part of not only how I walk with the Lord, but how I lead, how I expect to be championed because of the way he championed me. So anyway, he was just this big part. So I remember then when my pastor was having a baby, that was a big (laughs) deal. So I remember I got a phone call. I think my parents on the landline phone that nobody even has anymore. They called my dorm room and, you know, Joey's baby had been born. And so then for Joey to have a girl, girl, so crazy. 
But so then I just, I grew up in, well, not grew up, I guess I was an adult or coming home from college, going to the church where your dad was the pastor and where your mom and your brothers and you were, were growing up. And so I watched a lot of that. I have some really strange little memories. I swear it was your mom like matchmaking or something where <laughs> she'd throw Scott and I together to babysit you. I remember oh, us giving Scott you a bath. Stuck oh yeah, me he babysat so you a lot. Yeah, so you were a crazy kid. You had all kinds of crazy personality, and what a funny like now the way that God has woven this relationship with my daughter that is also this crazy wild personality that has so so much. There is such a collision of strong qualities in both of you. So now. Oh, we, you know, you grew up and were a part of our life, but then somewhere along the line, you and Lainey, my 12 year old, she's, she'll be 13 on Monday. You guys became, built a relationship aside from similar stories. You already had a relationship right. before. Okay. So when you were 11, you lost your dad, um, after like 18 months of cancer. So our church lost its pastor. And obviously my perspective of all of that was different because I was Scott's wife at that point and Scott did a lot of the bridging of some things. So I watched cancer from a very different view. You were a little girl. So a 10, 11 year old girl watching that. So, and then fast forward, my little girl lost her dad at 11. And so there's just some really strange weaving together of these relationships. But again, I don't, I, I don't look at you and your identity is not that you were Joey's daughter or that, that your dad died. That is not to me your story. I have watched you become this really cool, almost adult. I don't know how adult <laughs> I can call you. You're still a little girl. So I guess you just kind of tell me, like if someone made you say, hey, you have an elevator speech. Here's, <clears throat> you, you've got a minute. You'll talk longer than that. But you've got a minute to tell your story. Where would you start? Yeah. Where do you feel like it starts? So to be honest, obviously, dad being diagnosed was really as far back as I can. That's where I would pin pinpoint. Almost like where everything started. Right. You remember That's, from yeah, then because on. Because everything in my life now goes back to that. Because, I, we do the same thing before cancer, after cancer. Yeah. It's like yeah. I, I didn't used to know dates. Yeah. Now I know now dates. Now you know. You yeah. know when yeah. he was diagnosed. Yep. You yep. know when he came home from the hospital. Yep. You know yep. all those things. So looking back on my life now... Everything that I've gone through, everything that, you know, I'm continuing to walk through goes back to his diagnosis. Kind of a catalyst. Yeah. yeah, Goes back to his death because I was, yeah, I was young. I was in, I walked into sixth grade and and he was gone. Like I didn't have a dad anymore going through middle school, going through high school. He wasn't there. He was gone. Mm -hmm. So now it's so, it's so interesting because if you would have sat down with me three, four years ago when I was in high school, my story would be completely different because knowing now what I did in high school and middle school is different because I was acting out of a lot of grief and I was, I was angry and I was hurt and I was frustrated that these were the cards I were dealt. I was frustrated that my story even looked different than my brother's story, that I was still stuck in this in this kid lifestyle and without a dad in the home and, and, and so. Because they were gone. Right. They, they were, were both in college they or. Were in college. They were Ty was married. even married. Yeah. yeah or getting married. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I was frustrated that it almost seemed easier when 
dad died in their life because it wasn't the same as mine. And so, which do you believe that? Like, as far as when we look at each other's mm-hmm. grief or you look at theirs, are you able to kind of go, there is no really no, easier. Absolutely. It's just not. different. Absolutely yeah. not. But that is but as a what kid. I saw as yeah. a kid. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So now looking back on it, I can piece together why I said what I said and why mm-hmm. I acted, why I acted and what my, and why my faith looked the way it did because losing him, I didn't, I searched for that male attention, um, especially in high school, that I didn't even realize I was doing. Like, I could not tell you that's what I did in high school if you would have asked me. Um, Looking back on it now, it's absolutely what I did. Um, Was there anybody, I mean, let's kind of go back a little, I guess, because so you you go through middle school, high school, and you're like the kid whose dad died. Or you're the Joey, the pastor's daughter because that's what it was like kind of shaped the the way that even the church talked was that that it's just hard not to identify in these pivotal people and I and I get that because again it fast forward it happened again seven years later but I think it's seven years gap but anyway so I you're you're people are labeling you as this thing were there people along the way though that were trying to tell you hey this is a possibility you could start to try to find this or were there people walking that out at all? Right. Yeah. It's really interesting because my mom (laughs) tried to force me to go to counseling, but me being the prideful person who doesn't need help, didn't, didn't want to go. Um, but I remember one thing I, she drugged me to one session and though it stuck with me all these years, I won't, I wouldn't be able to understand his death until I got in to senior in high school, freshman in college, because your brain doesn't develop enough. And so that was kind of like, okay, so people are like telling me these things of like, hey, maybe that's why you're doing what you're doing. But I'm like, no, like, I'm fine. Like, I promise. Mm -hmm. Like, I've got it. Like, I know that losing him was hard, but I'm still figuring life out. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I've got things under control, whatever. And then, oh my gosh, summer going into freshman year of college was harsh. That's when finding out about Scott we spent that summer yeah. walking through that book. So yeah. I spent a lot of weeks with you that summer, whereas we hadn't done yeah, that much. No. So that, yeah. That was, that was as I would say for the longest time, that was the floodgates opening for me. Because when I heard the news, I was driving, I was driving in my car on my way to work. And I like got this pit in my stomach and I just started crying out of nowhere. And I'm like, why am I so upset? Like, what is going on? And I immediately called Zach I'm like hyperventilating. I cannot go to work. No, this, and sorry, I didn't get a phone call. I was left lunch or breakfast with you, actually. And I told you. Yep, you told me. So I called into work. I went straight to Zach's and I just remember this moment of, oh my gosh, I've been so angry ever since dad died. I am so angry that, that he's gone, that I don't have him. And, and why in the world is this happening to Scott? into this family like it has to be a joke and it has to be a joke and at that point like we had said earlier Lainey and I were already close Mm -hmm. like we didn't get close just because Scott was diagnosed and because my dad was gone like so here you are about to in your mind walk it out with this 11 year old girl and are you looking at yourself kind of like like oh my gosh yeah okay this is I gotta figure out where I stand because in that moment I was I never I never doubted that God was real but I had to figure out how to understand his intentions and his character if okay I do like in order to trust him right I do if I believe at the center of my core that you're a good God if that and I know that to be true 
then how, how does this make sense? Because I have to figure that out for myself before I walk with anyone, before, before I share my story. Before you can have any conversation right. with Lainey or anybody else. Right. Yeah. And so that was the moment where everything, that's, that's when it started. You asked me earlier where I would start my story. Yeah, I would start it at dad dying, but then it picks up. I feel like I jumped through those years and it mm-hmm. picks up there because then I'm off to college and I don't have my family around me. Mm-hmm. I'm in Springfield. I've got a new community, a new school. I have a new job. Things are so new and life is starting. But in a way, our story made you have to deal with it right then and there. Right. Right. I didn't really realize that. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, you might not remember this, but I remember, I think we had this conversation and I said, if it wasn't for that, my freshman year would have looked completely different because if I hadn't figured those things out, if God hadn't held me so close walking into college, Mm. I don't know where I would, I really don't know what that year would look like and what my relationship with God would look like. So it was super, super painful mm-hmm. because it awoke some things that yeah. you had kind of like lulled to sleep or, right. or ignored, but the pain was valuable because he kept you really close right. and kept you from maybe continuing some of the mistakes. Right. So, I mean, with or without details, what would you say the regrets of prior to that when you were, I mean, you didn't want to go to counseling. I think, would you say something different about that oh, now? But also, like, as you're looking for value, I mean, did you find yourself really chasing not just male relationships poorly, but just in general? Were you just not even healthy in your friendships? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and <laughs> we've talked about this. Actually, you're the person that really clicked it for me. You've mentioned the koala bear many times. And by that, meaning I look for someone to cling on to, 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 to find affirmation in, to find, hey, like, you're succeeding. Hey, like, good job. Or, like, just what a Hey, father. I like you. Yeah. Hey, you're too. doing well. Right. Hey, I'm going to give you my attention. And, right. yeah, I, I don't know where I got that. But I do talk about yeah. in seasons when people koala bear. And in my mind, it's like arms and legs wrapped yeah. Yeah. around one relationship, hoping that that relationship yeah. is going to provide all the right. things. And whether that was Bruce, who I... I admire him with everything that I have. So whether that was holding on to him, whether that was holding on to whatever boyfriend I had at the time, or whether that was even you or another friend. Mentors or, right. yeah. Yeah, that was a huge hole that I had. And you realized. That I didn't realize, yeah, until that summer leading into my freshman year. Okay. Which was monumental walking into Springfield because I didn't have anyone. I didn't have a church walking into Springfield. I didn't have mentors down there. I didn't have someone that I could confide in and trust. And so how do you hold on to someone who mm-hmm. isn't there? Who's, mm-hmm. They don't exist. But potentially instead of seeking out some mentor or some boyfriend, mm-hmm. you went in a little bit different. So what would you say? How did you and the Lord walk that out? Yeah. When you say he kept you mm-hmm. close, what did that look like? Yeah. So... It's so crazy. I entered in as an English education major. I wanted to teach high school English, but hopefully eventually transition into counseling. So I already had counseling on my mind. At this point, you still haven't experienced counseling, though. No. Hilarious. No. Okay. But Very you think, funny. Right. you know it's valuable. I think I can do but it. But you're fine. Uh, right, yeah. Right. Okay. I don't need it, but other people need it. Okay. So I am just taking gen ed courses, and one of them was religious studies. I've always loved, I mean, I've sat every Monday night with Bruce going over Revelation, going over Daniel, going over Genesis. I, I'm a nerd. I love theology. I love learning about God and his word and, and what he says. And even further than that, I love learning about other religions and other philosophies because I understand people 
when when you understand what the worldview is. So I've yeah. always been a nerd in that area. So it was a no-brainer for me to get in this religion course, and it was just a general one, glossed over a bunch of things. My favorite professor, uh, Dr. Pulley King, she introduced the question on the first day of, okay, so there's this, it's a theodicy problem of, you have this all-powerful and all-loving God, yet suffering exists. Hmm. What are you going to do with that? Day one. Day one. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I remember Bruce and I talking about this early in high school. And I remember coming, I feel like we didn't really wrap it up. I feel like maybe my brain didn't understand the importance of it. Maybe it wasn't prevalent to me then. I, but I, I didn't remember where I landed on that. I start digging. But it's like tools. Right. You you store these things. You hear right. these things. You kind of store them in like this right. tool belt until, right. okay, all of a sudden, which tool do I need? Right. I, I think it's there. I hear these things that I know right. to be true, but what tool do I need right. to pull out? So once she said that question, I'm like, this is what every single day of my life has been since dad died and since Scott was diagnosed. This is this is the answer. that The wrestle. I, Right. Yeah. This is the wrestle. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to put into place who God is and what his character is in, in despite of, of what my life has looked like. So what is this answer? And that's how it kept me close because I'm an extremely curious person. I don't like when I don't have an answer to things. I don't, I'm not good with the in-between. I, mm-hmm. I want yes or no, black and white, mm-hmm. especially with something like this that is huge. It's, it, it, it was the question of like my very core Okay. How do I land? I how need to, to land. Yeah. yeah. Need to land. Whether that's good or bad. So that's how it kept me close. I went on this wild goose chase mm-hmm. of, okay, like, what does scripture even say about this? Mm-hmm. What do theologians Well, say? and is scripture going to let me down? Right. Am I going to be disappointed with right. the answer? Right. Am I going to find that really this is all just a big game? Right. You know, there is a, it's like a risk right. to discover instead of just right. stay in La La Land. There is a risk in, in allowing ourselves right. to go discover him. Right. And ask the hard questions because what if he lets us down? And right. and I know he won't. So I'm able to, like when my kids need to go on that quest, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's okay. But that's the the problem as the one that needs to go on the quest right. is you you're scared. You yet. don't know yet yeah. that it's going to not just be this big fat disappointment and black right. hole of nothing. This is all a big waste of time. Right. So fast forward when I landed, there is not like an inkling at all in my body that God is not all powerful and he's not all loving and and he's not in control. He's in control of everything. There's he is too big not to be. So then where does suffering play in that? Thank goodness we have a God that allows us to choose to love him because if someone was sitting in front of me saying like you're forced to love me. Mm-hmm. As stubborn as I am, mm-hmm. no, I don't. I'm Well, not, and it's also not love. Right. Then. It's not my choice. Yeah. Love is a choice. It is my choice. And so yeah, he, he allows us to choose him. And because of that free will and because of sin, you know, suffering does exist. Here. Right, here. on this In this temporary environment. Right, yep. right. Um, it does exist here. And everyone, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that feeling. Everyone has suffered. Everyone's in the in midst of In some capacity, it. we all have and will. Right, right. And so I'm like, okay. So I believe he's all powerful and all loving. Um, I believe he has control to eliminate some suffering. Okay, so why didn't, here's the big question that mm-hmm. no one wants to ask. Okay, why didn't you save my dad? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, he was a great guy. Yeah, he, he was doing good things. Right, people He was doing him. God things. Right. God-sized things. Mm-hmm. So where do I go with that? Now that I have this question answered and now that mm-hmm. I know, I know that. I can land on this is true about you, but then so why then, didn't you? So, right. 
So it's this big question of why. And, and I think ultimately for me, I had to, you know, my brother posed a really good question to me years ago when he said, sometimes there aren't, today's world questions aren't necessarily answered in black and white in the Bible. Who should I vote for the next mm-hmm, president? Mm-hmm, it's not going to mm-hmm. say a specific name. But he was like, you can always go back on, on God's character. So if you know he's good, then what does that mean for your question? What does that mean mm-hmm, for your answer? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, why did you take my dad? Okay, let's backtrack. I know that you're a good God, and I know that you there's nothing you love more than your kids. Okay, well, I'm your kid. My dad is your kid. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you didn't love him. Right. Right, so you're so good there. So it wasn't from you. You didn't take him. So this has to be. Well, death is an outside source. Right. It, it, right. right. It's, the, it's the consequence of sin exactly. and in this life. Right. But. So I know that he's a good God. So you allow this to happen. So then what do I do with it now? He, there's, there's no other God that can turn such sorrow and suffering into joy. Right. And this is where Lainey plays in a huge part in my story. There are little confirmations along the way of, Okay, I know God to be good, and this is one of them of, okay, I know God's good, because she was this unveiling of, this is joy. This is how, this is how I can redeem suffering. This is how I can redeem the, like, the death of sin and the grossness of it, of this relationship that we have and, and that death isn't the end. It was huge, and so it, Right, just, you get to have joy in the now right. as you are walking it out with her. But right. that big picture, this isn't this. We're not supposed to to live here forever. Right. I remember on July 9th. No, well, yeah, I think it was actually July 10th because that's one of my kids' birthdays. July 9th, we got the. This is bad cancer. This is serious. Mm-hmm. This is you know, start a notebook. You're going to be in a lot of doctor's appointments. Time stops. Terrible things that when when you tell the wife, when right. you turn to the wife and speak to her, you're like, okay. This is serious. July 9th was that day. And July 10th was her birthday. I'm sitting in the Target parking lot, talking to a friend on my phone, about to tell Betsy to just go buy whatever she wants for her birthday. Like, so <laughs> over it. Don't care. At this point, I am, like, so physically uncomfortable. I have a UTI. I swear it was because I was dehydrating <laughs> because of all the tears. I cried more tears July 9th than I can recall ever, ever crying. And I'm sitting in the car about to go in, but I'm on the phone with a really, really good friend who was a real estate client. We were we were going to go buy her a house. And she is like, Lauren, this needs to take precedent. You 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 need to worry about this right now. You don't need to worry about me finding, finding a house. And I was like, don't you boss me. <laughs> if we find you the right house, this is going to be sanity for me. I, so I remember this conversation in such clarity. And at some point she said, Lauren, we're not supposed to like it here. This is not our home. And sometimes we get a little too uncomfortable, too comfortable. And we are not supposed to like it here. And I'm like, well, mission freaking accomplished. Okay. My emotions, my mentality, my physical body was so uncomfortable. Mission accomplished. But I won't ever forget that conversation because I think about that a lot when I think about, well, and then so eight months later, you know, Scott's gone. And and nobody could have seen how quickly that was going to happen or what that was going to look like. And I've got, you know, I've got eight kids, five. I went and like got, I went and adopted on purpose. I went and I like, what kind of stupid story is this? Like people need their dad. My boys, my kids need their dad. What a dumb, dumb story. God, you really got this wrong. And I have lots of moments of discomfort, lots of moments of uh, there is no easy place to land on why 
Right. He does not. He has never told me why. But I hear sometimes Amy's voice. We're not supposed to like it here. This is not our home. And and that is that has helped me remember this is temporary. This is a little piece of demonstrating our walk with the Lord here on earth. And that reality is your dad is fine and Scott is fine. And we just have a continued race to run. Not sometimes I think people, and I don't know if you feel this as the daughter, but as the wife, sometimes it's like, well, you know, he passed the baton to you and you got to carry on his ministry or no, I had a race to run. Scott had a race to run for almost 13 this years. I got to yeah. run next to him parallel. We got to run a really, really, really cool marriage race together, but I have my own baton. I have my own race. God has written something uh, not not new now like oh well now I'll I'll take Scott's right, race. That took no. Him by surprise yes. you yeah, yeah. Surprised. Oh shoot. No. What what have I done? Like you know this now what do I how do I write Lauren's right. story? No, he's not surprised. Right. He's not out of control. He while while death is was not the design, he knows what he's doing and is holding it all together. And is still writing something for me in this temporary thing that is going to continue to be uncomfortable. Well, and that's been my, that's been what's been on the forefront of my mind and my heart the past year or so is this idea of heaven of like, okay, like I've heard about heaven since I was out of the womb. Like I, I know what heaven is. Like I know that's what's to come, but it didn't actually sink in until these past couple of years of like, oh my gosh, no, like I'm going to heaven. Like I will never experience any sorrow, any suffering. Like I will never shed another tear. Like I will live in complete joy and peace. And you know what? Like I will see my dad mm-hmm. again yep. and I will see all those loved ones. And this really hit when Scott died because I saw, you know, I don't really remember a lot from when my dad died. I was so young. I don't, my memories are just blocked Mm -hmm. for whatever reason that is. Um, So I don't really remember all the pain and suffering that was around right after he died. But you watched it with my family. I watched it with you. I watched it with everyone. And that was so weird. It was like I'm watching my life (laughs) on repeat and this is what it looked like. But that's when it sunk in of like, okay, like, and this suffering isn't going to exist and they're going to see him again. And then the thought, it was so convicting. It was like I heard God's voice, but people you love, some other people that you love, you won't see again. And some people that they love, you they won't see them again because they don't know. Unless we talk about right. it. Unless they we, don't know who Christ yep. is. They don't know this redemption that's possible through suffering. Well, and the hope. Right. And I think that was such a difference when we watched people walk through it, whether it was with me or sometimes some people you watch kind of, and I'm sure as because your dad was a pastor, you Mm -hmm. kind of watched people that thought they were suffering and you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know you. How is Mm -hmm. it that you can be feeling the pain of the loss of my dad? I don't, but it was because so many people felt involved in the lives of people in ministry like that. And, but there, there was such a difference in the hope in people that had had hope that they mm-hmm. could it, hope in Spanish, the word for hope and wait is the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have Spanish speakers. So I, <laughs> I, I nerd out on words yes. sometimes. And that word, the fact that hope and wait, we sometimes act like, well, I hope that, you know, the food gets here quickly or no, it's waiting on God to do what mm-hmm. he said. 
It is, I know with, it, it's expectant, right. waiting with expectation. Right. And so you could see the difference when people right. were were grieving or walking that out, who had hope and who didn't. Right. So exactly. it was almost like God was reminding you, exactly. you have a job here. This and, is temporary, but you have a job. Yes. And that is what sent me on my mission of like, okay, so what are you going to do with your life, especially still in the midst of suffering? Because yeah, what is her story besides her dad dying? Right. It's there's, a good question. Right. There's a lot more yep. that happened. And yes, some being the result of him dying and, and what family dynamics look like and, and different pain that comes with that and whatnot. But figuring out, okay, like, despite all this suffering, I'm on a mission. This will fade. This isn't eternal. My suffering isn't eternal. So what is? And so walking through the rest of life's nasty twists and turns, like, like you said, like you have this hope of like, I know what I'm fighting for. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm walking towards. So whether that's dad dying, whether that's a hard relationship with your mom or a boy or identity crises. Because are you immune now that your dad died to all oh, hard ha- things not happening to you now? Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. Right. No. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that right. it, it, something terrible. No, nope. right. Life. Right. Check. Like, yeah. Sad and grief. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It is. Which we could choose then to live in fear of the next thing. Cause that does did. I don't know if you remember that coming with grief for you as an, as oh, a little yeah. girl, Oh yeah. but it, it came for me. Fear came in, but it has really come in for my little kids mm-hmm. and, and, it, and potentially my big kids. But my little kids are very fearful of things that they weren't fearful of before. Yeah. And so you could choose to just be afraid that things are going to hurt again because you've experienced that and then not live. Mm-hmm. But so, but you're like, but no, I have a, I have a job and I, where does that come from? That's grit in my opinion. Well, and yeah, no, reflecting on, okay, what is grit? It's this, it's this active choice to persist in the midst of, you know, really uncomfortable, really challenging situations. And I, okay, so what does grit look like in my life? And I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, there are some pretty cool people out there who have some great grit, but it's not going to be fueled for long without a source. Yeah. And okay, so what is that source? And for me, that's God. It's an eternal source and a passion that is much bigger than mine, a God who's much bigger than the situation. And so that is what fuels my grit. If I didn't have him who's unwavering, I I wouldn't have grit. You know, I wouldn't, I couldn't wake up and continue to move on because what would I be moving towards? Yeah. Well, and what if he was a God that had to, had to explain himself to us? Like had to, we, we, you know, had, had to, oh, well, shoot, you know, I let this happen. And no, like I actually find peace in that his ways are higher than mine. Right. And that, that he knows more and better than I do so that I don't have to solve it or figure it out. And that's, that's one of the things, especially the first year I started to say was he does not owe me the why. Right. But I am starting to see the what, what he's doing what he's going to do with my kids, mm-hmm. how he's going to like help my kids continue to, to lean in and, and maybe keep them real mm-hmm. tight. Like he kept you and what he's going to do with me. And that really that he, that he is still up to something. Right. So I don't, I don't even ask the why. I mean, I, I do tell him sometimes that it's dumb. I really, I, I struggle with, it would have been better if it was me, that it would have been a lot easier to live without their mom. I do. So I, I've had many a day sitting alone at the cemetery, really not even having some movie moment of tears, just going, this is dumb. This is this. You got this wrong. And, and but he can handle me hashing that out with him, because at the end of the day where I'm able to let literally let go and like like land 
is that he's God and I'm not. And that his ways being higher and that him knowing more than me is actually this great release for me. So refreshing. I do not have to hold it all together. Right. And because if I did have to answer it, okay, then what's the difference between me and God? Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and who wants to worship that? Right. Who wants to serve someone who's on your level? Yeah. Like that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like, and so I'm never one to be okay with. I always want to be better. I always want to achieve. I always want to know as much as I can. But in this situation, I am so thankful that that's not my responsibility. Yeah. And I can't attain that. I'm thankful that he is so much bigger. Because if he wasn't, then yeah, I, I, I would be scared. You know, I would live in fear. You know, I wouldn't be okay in the midst of suffering. But he is it, one thing that has, you know, that I've clung on to is one day I, I got so mad. And I was so angry, and I just remember yelling and crying, like ugly cry, like, you know, like a belly cry. And I'm like, why did you do this? I miss him so much. Like, this was in college, and and I wanted to tell him about my classes. I wanted to tell him about all these things. I just wanted my dad. Like, I wanted him. I wanted my dad. And I was so angry and so sad. And then it was just this warm feeling of, like, God saying, I'm sad too. That was my son. Like my heart broke first. I know where you're at. And it was just this moment of the God of the universe, the God who created everything and all things relating to me mm-hmm. and, and knowing my pain and my suffering. He's different. A, a, what God can do that other than our God. Yeah. And so it's like, no, like he is the great counselor. He knows me and he knows pain. Yeah. And he knows how to guide me through that. Yeah. You know, like he's not some God that's untouchable, that's unrelatable. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh, he knows he's experienced more than anyone. I used to be a little cynical about that, about the, there's a verse, I don't, I should know where it is if I'm going to use it, but like that it says that he, you know, stores our tears in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I pictured him with his feet up eating potato chips, just <laughs> dropping my tears. And it's like, do something, yeah. get off the couch, you know? But after Scott died, I was either, I, I could not do mindless, like self-helpy mm-hmm. 10 steps to <laughs> happiness crap, okay? I couldn't do it. It's so unrealistic. It, it, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> helpful. I needed, it either needed to be something I could stand on mm-hmm. or it was like new girl. And it was like so totally not like my life and made yeah. me laugh out loud. Okay, those are my options. So I watched a lot of New Girl late at night, going to bed by myself, you know, those early days. Mm-hmm. But I was reading when, when in the other moments, I was reading Lisa Turkhurst, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And prior to that, I, that was one of those books where I'm like, I don't really have anything. Like, I don't have a divorce. I don't have a, didn't really, like, I didn't feel like I could relate. And so I don't know what exactly possessed me to pick it up. But I, I read It's Not Supposed to Be This Way right after he died. And there is a part in it where she talks about just what you're saying, that he is the, a God who relates, who has pain, and that who, who when we are sad, is sad. And for the first time, instead of being cynical, because there was a part of me that's like, well, duh, your son died. Okay, yes, God, I know your son died and he got tortured and they hung him up there for things he didn't do, but you knew he was going to raise in three days. You knew, you knew he was fully human and fully divine. So this doesn't count, God, you can't relate. And real carefully, the Lord was like, you know too. You get resurrected life too. Scott's okay, this is temporary, and y'all are gonna raise from the dead too. And it was the first time I wasn't cynical. 
Yeah. It was the first time I was like, right. oh, my pain right. isn't worse than yours. It's not worse than somebody else's. It is temporary because we get to, this is not it. Right. And we get to live eternal life in wholeness. Right. And so it was, it, it literally was the first time I wasn't a smart aleck yeah. about the Lord's pain and, and his, his relating to my pain. Right. And it's like, what are you going to do something? He did something on the cross. So yeah, like it's done. Yep. Like, no, he did something like yep. dad dying. That's fine. He's going to die anyways. Well, and we all, a hundred percent of us. Are also going to die. Right. So this idea that like, well, you know, like they were 90 years old and it was sad. And yes, it is sad. And I don't want to sound like I am cold and and that that death does not affect me anymore because it affects me every day. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Scott's death affects me every single day. More so when I look at my kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, no, I'm not cold to it at all. But the reality is we are all going to die. And so I have a choice to not let cancer be wasted on me. To not let being a widow be wasted on me. Mm-hmm. To not let the story of adopting older kids be wasted on me. Mm-hmm. And so I fight to try to be obedient and allow God to use my story. And it's I, I just talked about this with with other people on, on other days. But where Scott's story, the hardest things in Scott's life were what God used mm-hmm. over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I have two meetings this week around either women whose husband has a very serious cancer and probably won't live or they lost their husband or, and I'll tell you, this is not exactly the identity or the title or the way I would really like for God to use me. Mm-hmm. But the reality is if this is how he is going to use me to, to, to point people to him, mm-hmm. then I, I signed up for that. That, right. that is, uh, I'll raise my hand. That is my assignment. Right. And if God can, I don't know, allow me to, gosh, if I can be a part of someone knowing Christ for the first time because of it, or just walk them through things that they couldn't see coming, or maybe they ask questions that I didn't know to ask or whatever it is, like it gives some purpose right. to my pain. Absolutely. You know, and I think it may have been you who said it to me first of, okay, well, you know, if, if you're not going to move. And allow God to use you, he's going to use someone else. That's the beautiful part of it is I'm so little, but he chooses to use me. Yep. So, okay, so yep. it's my choice, too, to let him use me. Yep. That's the Esther story. Oh, yeah. The story all girls, you know, girls love the story of Esther and mm-hmm. who then, it, what if this is your time? What if such a time as this? Right. But the reality, I think I had years and years later, I've always loved that story, was that Mordecai tells her. Her, her uncle tells her, look, God's going to deliver the Jews. He, he already promised he would. Mm-hmm. God's going to save them. But what if you get to be the right. one? Right. And that, I think, was eye-opening for me, that he doesn't have to use us. He, he doesn't have to to have any, like like when, when God kind of whispered to you that, hey, there's still people that don't know him. Right. Hey, there's still people who are going to miss it. What, what a privilege. And what Absolutely. a cool job to and, get to be used. Yeah. And I, I've used this word before about my story. I'm so territorial over it. Yeah, it has a lot of hard things in it. And a lot of things that, like you said, like I, f- I feel the loss of my dad every day. Like it is hard. Grief is hard. But without it, I wouldn't have a foot in the door with other people. So I'm so thankful that he is able, again, to redeem such sorrowful things. You know, Mm -hmm. someone else finding life, finding eternal life is far greater than a death that doesn't even matter. Because my dad didn't die. 
Yeah, Scott didn't die. Any, they're in heaven. They're alive. Right. You know, so the opportunity to use that to help someone else find eternal life is so much bigger than me. And it's so much bigger than my suffering. And I think at the end of the day, when I get caught in my head of like, man, this really sucks. Like, I'm, I'm not okay today. Like, I'm kind of just bitter today. Yeah, and I want to have a pity party. Pessimistic today. That's when I have to step back and look at, okay, so how big is this suffering in comparison mm-hmm. to the joy that's to come? And, you know, you hear those words, the joy is to come, and it's just kind of, like, overused, like, kind of loses its oomph, its momentum. But, no, when you think about it, it's unimaginable because it's so good. But it's not in our face right now. But, you know, yeah. what is in our face? Our suffering's in our face. Yeah. So it's easier to see that as bigger, as prevalent, as yeah as overshadowing when in reality it's not how you started to say this and I think we maybe we got sidetracked but how does Lainey remind you of joy how how is that relationship joyful yeah um so oh my gosh Lane so I think she just reminds me of Christ he's not here I can't physically see him in his body I can't physically really see God and he talks to us through a lot of different ways, you know, whether that's scripture, whether that's creation, whether that's whatever that is. Um, and he uses people a heck of a lot. And that's Lainey in my life. She has shown me that I don't just get to let my dad die and not use it. Because I care a heck of a lot about her and her family. You're not going to let your pity party, for lack of better words, not walk it out with her. Right. Like, I'm not going to shy. I'm not going to shrink back. Yeah. Mm. Because it's hard. And I know how much God has shown up in my life through that death. Um, And I don't want Lainey to miss it either. And so, and I know God is so much bigger than me. And like we talked about, he's going to accomplish that. He doesn't need you, but he he could use you. Right. And so if that's where he's leading me, then so be it. Like, I will march on. Like, I, getting to love her and already have been through it, understanding her brain and now looking mm-hmm. back on my brain mm-hmm. and where I'm at now. I mean, that's just so cool. And it just the, how similar just even our dads were in, mm-hmm. in our family. And, and it's, it would be a wasted story if, if I didn't lean into it, if mm-hmm. I didn't press into it, if mm-hmm. I didn't listen to where God was pulling me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even past that, she's just a nut. She mm-hmm. is just yeah. crazy and spontaneous and makes you laugh. And so even in really hard situations, she makes you laugh. And so whether that is really deep or not, it's still joy. Yeah. You know, God is God has a sense of humor. Yeah, I was going to say you laughter know? is okay yeah. and celebration is, is yeah. okay. And God made us this really complex, yeah. you know, kind of goofy goofy person. And I I think my kids did a good job after Scott died. I had a six-year-old and an 11-year-old. And then I had high school and college kids and adults. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even know how old they (laughs) are. It's almost been two years. So, I mean, they were all these different ages, but my little kids in, in a lot of ways force you to still laugh. Yeah. And they force you to still, I remember there's only two moments in the whole eight months that I, that I for a second thought that God was telling me that he was going to die. 
Okay, so there's only minus the last three weeks when you knew right. the the snowball or whatever the ball was rolling was down right. the hill yeah. really fast. Okay, but I had these two moments, and one of those moments, I had just put the kids to bed. I it's kind of the routine is like I always mm-hmm. I'm the one that takes them to bed, and I had just said goodnight to Lainey, was was tucking Cruz in, and I'm standing in the door. I prayed with him, and I turned the light off, and and it's just this. It was like a wind that blew across my mind and out. My kids are gonna save me. And I didn't mean like salvation. Salvation is only from the Lord, okay? But it was like for a fleeting moment, I knew they were going to be what got me out of bed. They were going to be what made me have to fight and 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 just grit my teeth on the worst day and not just stay in bed, yeah, and not not quit, not not just want to evaporate. And so, yeah, there there is something about kids. There you know, is. the six year old. I, I mean, he's eight now, and he has a, a an understanding of he, he's a smart kid. He's he's the he's the contemplative, serious <laughs> brow of Scott, and so he's he's he knows what mm-hmm. what is going on, and he knows what is hard, and he he sees what is coming that that is going to be hard. But he's still a little kid, and he's still a goofball, and he's still going to laugh, mm-hmm. and he still you know is eating Chick Fil A chicken nuggets during Scott's service. You know because he's. There's still a, a just a human yeah. that that has needs, and some of those needs are to laugh, and those those needs are to be to, to love and to have fun, and to what a disservice to who these people were in our life to not ever laugh again. Right. And right after Scott died, you were in my house a lot, so you yeah. were you were hanging out with my people a lot. I don't know if I missed it. You, you probably didn't, but one of those days, I don't I don't know if you were there or not. I found this video of myself that Scott had taken with my phone. Okay. And we were, we had been traveling. We drove to Tahoe with eight kids. So we drove from Missouri to, where is that? Is that in California? Where's Tahoe? Don't ask me. You know, up the coast. Anyway. And, but we drove the long way there. We did all kinds of crazy things. We made several stops. We went to the Grand Canyon. We went to, we took kids to Vegas. Who doesn't do that? Who doesn't walk the strip at night awesome. with eight kids? So, but there was a point driving through Nevada. It is flat. It is so, so hot. We are so sick of driving with this many kids. And I just got slap happy. Like I just lost my mind. Okay. And I am laughing so hard, uncontrollably. Tears are running down my face and he whips out my phone and is recording me. And you can hear him laughing at me laughing. And I'm making fun of, I mean, Scott was beside himself taking a three-year-old to the Grand Canyon. He he wouldn't hardly leave the parking lot. Him and Cruz stayed in the parking lot, okay? And I'm out hiking on the edge with my big kids. And so I am dying laughing at Scott freaking out at the Grand Canyon and the goofy things Cruz had said on this ride and that we took kids to Vegas and I am hysterical. And he is laughing because I'm laughing so hard. He got such a joy out of me being willing to be silly, me laughing with my mouth wide open. I just wasn't inhibited and he loved that. Mm -hmm. And it was so early that I found this video, probably before a service. I'm probably looking for Mm -hmm. things for the service. And I immediately was like, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to be myself Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to let this change me in a way or define me in a way that is a disservice to him. But even more important, that doesn't show off my God. Right. It gave me permission. It was this weird permission to, I'm just going to be myself yeah. and I'm going to laugh and I'm going to be bossy and I'm going to go after things. And it is my I, baton. Yes. I'm not yes. holding his. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, but, but he championed that and, and gave me some level of permission, not because he was the Lord and owned my life, but because he followed him and knew I needed to follow him. Yeah. And so 
I, I think that that is, there's such freedom mm-hmm. and peace and hope in that. Yeah. In that it is not about Scott because I can't right. find peace and hope there. He's right. a human. Right. But he pointed back right. to the Lord. And that's, it's a great point because I think that's where my brain has really landed today where I'm at now. It's like, okay, yeah, with all of these things that have happened in my life, I'm not just the girl who lost her dad. I'm not just Joey Butler's daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not all of those things. That's not my identity. That's not what defines me. Yes, you know, it It pushed me and it was a catalyst to figure out my identity in Christ, right? Because that's, that's the sure thing. That's the eternal thing of yeah. like, okay, how does this make me figure out who I am? How does this make me figure out who who you say that I am. Right? So how would you tell someone to find that out? How do we figure out, minus the Lauren Daigle song, how do we figure out, and not minus, in addition to, let's okay. say, okay. How, how do we figure out how who he's asked us to be, who we are? Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if this is, you know, going to relate to everyone the way that it does to me, but the way God created me and designed me, um, like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a very curious person, and I don't like when I don't know things. So that question that was sent me on that wild goose chase of, okay, all powerful, all loving, but suffering exists. Okay, well, let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was not living in fear of finding out the answers. So it's like, yeah, all of these questions are really valid. Mm -hmm. Okay, so ask them, Mm -hmm. figure them out. Well, and dig. Right. Go go look in scripture. What don't, does scripture right. say about don't who you are? Don't lay down. Don't let that be the end all be all. Don't let that mm-hmm. be what defines you, right? Yeah. So the only thing that can is is your creator. So what does your creator say about you? Who mm-hmm. is your creator? Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to ask those questions. Those are yep. only logical yep. questions. Yep. So even if you don't believe in, in God, okay, well. Go back to the beginning. Right. Who is your creator right. then? Who knows you better? Right. Who you could know you better? Yourself. Right. Who can right. know you better so than that? You have to start there. Yeah. Um. So figuring out who you are, ask questions. Be curious. Yeah. Of, why am I here? That's what good. What's the point? That's good. You know, and don't rest. Yeah. Until, because, you know, some people might not be okay with my answers to some of those questions because in their eyes, it's not concrete. But in mine, it is because of the element of faith. Yeah. Right. I know God is who he says he is because I can look back in my life and see where he has been mm-hmm. just my fierce protector, where he has made a way, where he has coddled me, where he has hid me mm-hmm. under his wings. So I know, I know that he is real. I know he's mm-hmm. good. And, and that's faith, you know? Yeah. So, and you can't be okay with those answers unless, yeah. unless, unless you come the, to that. Yeah. Yeah. You come to a place of being sure of what you hope for, certain of what we can't see. But there's a lot of other evidence. And and that's what some of these stories, I think, are going to point to that. Mm-hmm. And so that's some of why I think it's really important. I just started, I haven't gotten very far, but I just started Joanna Gaines' book mm-hmm. that is about <laughs> kind of the stories of life. And she talks about how, you know, you can be comfortable with kind of being this like halfway person, mm-hmm. or you can like let your story really unfold mm-hmm. and and see what it's like to really be be you and wholeness, right. the the mess ups, the failures, the things that you're really just not, and maybe it's not a failure, you're just not good at. Right. There, there are things that I'm good at and things that I'm not and the ways that God's going to use me and ways that he won't, but my story has importance and it really has power. Right. I think it has power for me to be free 
from fear mm-hmm. and what the enemy lies to me about. But I think it also can potentially have power for someone mm-hmm. else. Well, absolutely. And it's so cool to see his character revealed in the midst of really crappy situations. And one of the biggest ways for me is is my mom. After dad died, yeah, she didn't. If, if I wasn't there, she wouldn't have gotten out of bed. So she can... She was sick and, and sad like any any person would be. And our relationship went through some really, really low valleys. It was hard. It was so hard. And I remember leaving for college and being like, thank goodness I am out of here. I'm not under her roof. Like, thank goodness I don't have to struggle in that anymore. And oh boy, could I not be more wrong. Um, I remember sitting in my dorm, being overwhelmed with, like, this grief of... It didn't hit me. The it floodgate really, opened. Yeah, it, the floodgate opened, and I understood what it meant to grieve the loss of my dad. He's not walking through that door. He's not going to walk me down the aisle. I'm not going to get another conversation with him. Like, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that was so hard, and I could not get out of bed. I was so sad. I was so sad that it hit me. And then... You understood her. And then I understood her. And that opened the door for grace. Grace that I didn't ever see in a real tangible way. I mean, I I could have if I was looking, but I was never looking. I experienced grace. I understood. I heard. I just remember hearing God. And it's like, do you know how much grace has been given for you? Do you understand the weight of that? And then with that grace, what you're asked to do. I mean, mm-hmm. we are called and sent to extend that to other people too. So it's like I was flooded with like, oh, my gosh, like I missed the mark. I missed the mark. Yeah, my feelings were really valid in the hurtful things. Yeah, that, and you have to walk through yeah. those things and feel those things. Right. And sometimes you get to address them with the person that hurt you. And sometimes right. it's not beneficial. Right. And you have to walk it out yourself. Right. But the reality is grace. You could should, also extend her right. grace. Yeah. Right. It was both. Right. It was both. You could feel. The bothness. Yep. There was bothness of that. <laughs> and yep. so that for the first time was. And at this point, I had a lot of bitterness and resentment, and my heart was hard towards my mom. It was really hard. Anything she said just made me mad. It just weird. I mean, people, humans get into this. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what that is. But anything that happened, I was just mad. And that grace softened my heart more than anything. And yeah. and our relationship started to repair. And this it, humility followed grace hmm. real quick. And so it was just this. Hmm. light bulb moment good. of so through that suffering god's character yeah and and his gifts were exposed yeah and and sure he could have done that and and otherwise uh, right but because of sin my dad died mm-hmm. and so how grateful am i that a god can use that to mm-hmm. make bring glory to him mm-hmm. what's the bigger picture in this yeah so there's yeah. so many things he's just a he's just a good god to be able to do that he's just a yeah. big god yeah. to be able to do that Yep. You know, what would you say now is kind of a a wrap up that, you know, you talked about God keeping you close, like your freshman year and in those Mm -hmm. moments. Well, how would you say you continue to healthily walk out your faith, to walk out relationships? What What are the kind of the elements of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think something that I've learned is that emotions are really, really healthy. God we're, de- we're, we're designed after him. We're made in his image. So every, there's a time for everything, you know, that's, it says that in scripture. And so when it's time for weeping, it's time for weeping. And, and I'm not gonna, I used to think that, you know, 
oh gosh, like he died eight years ago. Like I can't cry. Can't cry anymore about it. I can't be sad over this. People Mm -hmm. have forgotten. It doesn't matter anymore. My life should be moving on. I can still cry. I can still be really sad. But I also don't have to feel guilty when I'm really happy. And Mm -hmm. and I can Mm -hmm. celebrate who Mm -hmm. he was and what my life Mm -hmm. is and what his life was Mm -hmm. and the people around me. And so wrapping up, it it's okay to sit and to take in all of the emotions mm-hmm. that you're feeling because because we were designed that way and God relates to them. So I'm not I'm not alone mm-hmm. in whatever emotion I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz he's the author of them, he's the counselor of them, he's he he leads me. And so it's like whatever situation I may be in, whatever suffering I may walk into next, you know, I'm secure because I, I know who's writing my story mm-hmm. and and I know that whatever it is, it's not the end because I know the end. Yep. I know yep. the end. Yep. So uh, there's no room for doubt and and praise the Lord that I got to experience suffering because it, it squashed out any doubt. Hmm. There's no room. That's good. Like it's gone. And so that's that's what I would say, you know, I lean in Lean into the suffering. Don't shrink back from the suffering yeah. because I gained my life through it. That's good. That's good. Hey, thank you. I'm serious. <laughs> it was super vulnerable and hard to hash things out sometimes. And it's one thing to look at me and talk to me, but to think that other people might hear it. But I really yeah. think that God's going to use it. And so thank you for your time. I'm serious. Thank you so much for listening. If you have or know someone with an inspiring story, you can apply to be a guest at OrdinaryGrit.com. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at OrdinaryGritPodcast to get to know me and my guests.